Rod. I went to Arizona State. Rod. I'm a Sun Devil, man. State of the Sun Devils from Arizona Sports with Jesse Morrison, Jeremy Schnell, and Jake Anderson. Hello and welcome into another edition of State of the Sun Devils alongside Jesse Morrison and Jake Anderson. I'm Jeremy Schnell. Jesse, is it a great day to be a Sun Devil? You know, it's been a tough week to be a Sun Devil, but yesterday... The volleyball team beat U of A in Tucson. Yes. So there you go. Congratulations, there, ladies. There is hope on the on the horizon. There are good things happening in Sun Devil Athletics. So, yeah, with that, you know, it was fun to we see. can start the show. It was fun to see so much of the 942 crew making the trip. Yeah, exactly. All the way down yeah, that was, that was, that was all, cool. all the way down to Tucson. All the way. <laughs> all that, that really treacherous drive that's just straight and flat down to Tucson. Just take the I-10 down. Um, we'll be making that trip together. We'll, yeah. Yeah. Well, maybe we'll put Jesse on the roof or something because he still hasn't paid off his bet. Yeah, seriously. We're <laughs> week four already. Chipotle, Filibertos, what are we doing? I, I, we both said Chipotle. Yeah. Okay, I'll get you guys a couple... Uh, My steak and cheese burrito. Yeah, I'll get Jeremy, <laughs> Jeremy his food for a five-year-old. <laughs> um, if, in case you had been living under a rock, um, Herm Edwards, unfortunately, uh, and Arizona State mutually parted ways this past Sunday, um, and now Sean Aguano is taking over as the interim head coach of the football team at Arizona State. He, was, uh, he is, uh, I mean... The running backs coach at Arizona State, and formerly he uh, he coached at um, Chandler High School as their head coach, was very successful there. Um, yep, Gambo would say that. Go Wolves! <laughs> um, so now Sean Aguano era has started here, and uh, he has said, Jake, uh, and I know you wrote about this recently. And you talked about it the other day as well that he wants to recruit in Arizona and make sure those kids stay in Arizona and in Tempe. Yeah, he said he wants to personally uh, recruit Arizona kids, and he's going to be starting that off on Friday night with a couple of high school games. Um, But the one thing I do want to add, and this is purely me speculating, but the reason why they wanted Sean Aguano as the interim, because the first thought is, why wouldn't you promote your coordinators? Or someone who has done it, like Marv Lewis. Exactly. So the first thought I have there is we go back to Herm being the the CEO, quote-unquote, of the pro model and from my time seeing him at practice and I did write about this in my story earlier this week in the only practice this week that I was at and the media only had two days of availability and it was just and it was just the one practice because the team does not practice on Mondays but what I was so shocked about or I guess not shocked but just not used to was how one-on-one drills how involved Aguano was you really saw him literally go to each position drill whether it was the lineman whether it was off defense offense it, it didn't matter he was involved in everything he was more vocal and that brought a new palpable energy that you could feel from uh, Arizona State now I having said all of that another reason why I think they chose Aguano to be the head coach was a they didn't want to stack on any more responsibilities to the coordinators who were already doing pretty much almost everything they were doing a lot to to add another head coaching job to that would be too much but the second part of it is because of Aguano's experience at the high school level in Arizona just to save face in terms of recruiting for the rest of this year because Aguano may or may not be here next year we don't know right we, we, we that's yet to he's be got seen. nine games to show maybe 10 to show that he you know and he's a heck of a running backs coach yeah exactly he, he's been he's been his unit has been the highlight of the team 
the past you know few seasons. Exactly. So to have a guy who understands, and he even said it himself, no one can recruit the state of Arizona better than he can because no one knows what he does. Yeah, here, here is him talking about it real quick, uh, and, and then we'll talk about that after. My goal, and, and I've told this to our coaches today, on the recruiting basis, and I'll be out there on Friday at the game, I will personally recruit Arizona kids. I know their coaches. I know what they are about. I know what the kids want. I've sat on the other side of that um, and what they're sold against. I will personally recruit Arizona kids. You know, they have to be a good fit. Um, they have to be athletic for us to win. We have to get kids that are at the same uh, athletic ability as the teams that we're going to face. Um, the NIL and all of that stuff will play its part. I, I think that uh, Arizona State has a plan uh, to catch that up. But it all comes down to the kids that you have in your program. Um, and we'll start with Arizona. I'm in a position right now for the next 10 weeks to make an impact to get our kids in Arizona to be excited about Arizona State football. And like you said, Jake, he's getting started right away. He'll be out there tomorrow. Yeah, He'll he's, be out there on Friday. He's obviously going to go see Chandler play. He's going to go to Chandler Saguaro for a half, and then he's going to go to Basham Mountain View for the second half. So he's going to be at two different games, going to see four different teams, see a bunch of players from some of the best programs in the state. So he's already true to his word from what he said in his uh, intro presser on Monday. Just remember the kids that he's coached before. He, I mean, mm-hmm. he's he's coached Nikhil Harry. He's coached um, Chase Lucas. And, and now... When he got to ASU, he, he coached Rashad White. He he coached that running back group last year, and he's coached that running back group this year. So he's he's been very successful, not only as a head coach, but as a running backs coach. And I, I mean, I you know, we'll, we'll have to see if that translates to coaching the whole team at the college level as well. Yeah, I mean, for me, I'm less worried about recruiting than a lot of people are. I think that, yeah, it's great to get good recruits, but as a you know as ASU goes into the Utah week Utah has been known now for going into these games and or go or bringing these like two star recruits in and making them you know really really good college players so sure. for me it's all about the coaching when the players get there because yeah these five star recruits are good but not all of them work out it's just like you know drafting in the NFL or whatever so for me it's just uh for me what i care about aguano doing is salvaging this season moving forward and not not about really the recruiting uh, aspect of things. And, you know, if they can get to a bowl game or even win five games, uh, you know, four more games this season, then, you know, I think he's got to be considered because, you know, th- then I will start rec- uh, considering the recruiting because, you know, if he if he if the team really plays inspired and, and is really good the rest of the season, then, you know, he's got those Arizona ties. That's kind of something that the fan base has wanted for years. And so, yeah, if if he brings that, you know, winning plus recruiting, then, yeah, you might want to keep him around going forward as your head coach, not just your interim head coach. So that's what I want to see wins throughout the year moving forward. Jake, I want to go back to you talking about the practice that you were at, you were at earlier this week, and I want to hear your thoughts on the energy because that was something else that you also talked about. Yeah, so the first thing that I noticed was music was playing the whole time. Before that was kind of just during warm-ups, and there was a 
we called it some light jazz amongst the the media that were there. We joked about it like it was kind of like a light jazz, but you knew that was the warm up song um, for the periods that media is allowed to be there. Um, but this was not that music. This was a completely different type of music. This was, I would say, younger music for the kids <laughs> who are playing. Um, and 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 Chano Guano talked about it. Like he knows what these kids want because he has dealt with. Think about it. When they're not even eighteen years old, he's dealt with that. And then those are the ones that are becoming your players. I mean, the oldest players who are graduate students are like twenty three and twenty four. Like. That, that's the peak of how old these kids are. So we're looking at a demographic that's 18 to 22. And let's face it, they they have different things that they like to do during practice. And, and we've seen how, even in the NFL, how they've changed the, the way they've completely run their practices. So I think, you know, not to say that, you know, Herm and, and Brian Billick and Marv Lewis, you know, the, the older guys of the NFL don't know what they're doing, but maybe they just don't know how to basically talk to or, or, or relate to some of these young kids in terms of getting them focused and detail-oriented, which is something that we heard Herman Emery Jones talk about after the Eastern Michigan game wasn't necessarily there in in their week of practice leading up to Eastern Michigan. And then we heard Iguano hit on, like, we got to be detail-oriented. Like, you got to be five minutes early. There's a new no-walking rule at practice. Like, you notice guys were running to and from, on and off the field, and yeah, some of them got tired. Some some of them were huffing and puffing, and and some of them were having to you know heal over and catch their breath. And this is just in practice. But hey, if this is what it takes to uh, wake up some guys, and and he even talked about Case Hatch told us, yeah, there was some harping on the sidelines, but that's the way it's going to be. And Iguano's like, if too bad, like this is this is what the next nine weeks of this season are going to look like. And like Jesse said, you know, if they can salvage something, maybe there's a tenth week. You may, you mentioned Case Hatch, uh, captain and fullback for ASU. Here he is talking about uh, the practice the other day. You know, today, personally, I believe was was what we needed. Right, we were running around on the field, off the field, switching out personnel, running off, and it was a change that we kind of needed. Right, guys were tired by the end of practice. I mean, I was tired, bending over, you know, trying to catch your breath. Um, but we were pushed today, and that's something we needed. to yeah, Jake. I mean, you described it perfectly. It's like you were uh, you were there for like listening to Case Hatch and what he had. It to almost, say. it was like I was there. Yeah, <laughs> second row against the wall on the right side. Yeah. So uh, I mean, Case Hatch put it perfectly. I mean, I think that's what this team needs. Like, not necessarily that that Herm couldn't do that, but the the fact that they lost the, this game this past Saturday to Eastern Michigan. I mean, if you lose to a team that you're not supposed to lose to. Even in high school or pee wee football, yes, you're probably going to run a lot at practice the next week. And for the dude on Twitter, uh, yes, Eastern Michigan is a team that you're not supposed to lose to. Their best the win Pac-12. in program history was against ASU. They had beaten Rutgers, was their best win before they beat ASU can, the other day. Can night. I just say that the MAC is a bottom two conference in the Power Five? It's, uh, Jesse, uh, that's not the point here. The point is. If you lose to a team you're supposed to, you're not supposed to lose to, you're probably going to run a little bit the next week at practice. I'm sorry. I'm just a little bit salty about the guy that trolled me on Twitter. You got uh, trolls. Who cares? You made it. I mean, yeah, you've made yeah, it. But, but, but this guy was acting like uh, the MAC was the SEC. Can we make a poll on uh, at uh, AZ Sports Devils that says, has Jesse made it once he gets, starts getting trolled on Twitter? Um, okay. Yeah. You, you, can, you, can get, you can get that going, Jesse. Um 
more from uh, you know what we expect this week from uh, ASU as they're coming into this week. We haven't even talked about the matchup against against the Utes. Now they're two and one after they lost to Florida in the first week and then came out swinging and and they beat uh, they beat Southern Utah seventy three to seven the week after and then uh, they beat uh, San Diego State thirty five to seven the week after that. So that's just last week. So only giving up 14 points since giving up 29 to Florida down in Gainesville. Um, of course, they played against a quarterback in uh, Richardson that is the same style of quarterback as Emory Jones, and they seem to hold him to you know a pretty decent, only 29 points in that game. Um, but now we come into this game with Emory Jones, who's a struggling quarterback at this point right now. Can't you know the the three deep balls missed the other day that can't help a quarterback's confidence when you have receivers dropping the ball in the end zone unfortunately so I'm very intrigued to see what Emory Jones does on the field against a a secondary in particular that uh, that Alex Markham, who's going to join us later in the show, who he told us is probably the strength of that youth's defense, Jesse. Yeah, I mean, these next few weeks for me are just going to be about like seeing if ASU can clean up the penalties you know, play a cleaner game. And then, you know, I do, I want to see something from Emory Jones. I haven't seen that yet. I mean, the first game, sure, against FCS NAU, like, yeah, sure, I saw some stuff there. But, you know, for me, it's going to be like, can this guy be a starting caliber quarterback at this level? Because right now I'm not convinced. Uh, here we're gonna talk to Alex Markham right real quick, and then we'll come back and we'll we'll finish out with uh, with our predictions for the game. And we are joined by Alex Markham. He writes for the Rivals site in Utah for the Utah Utes. Uh, thank you for joining us, Mr. Markham. How are you doing today? I'm doing all right, guys. Thanks for thanks for having me. All right, so let's uh, let's get started. Obviously, not the start to the season you guys wanted, losing down in Gainesville to the Florida Gators, but you guys got back on track in the first uh, in the in the two games after that. Uh, where do you see this team right now, and how, how have they responded since that first game of the season? I mean, if you guys want to call it getting back on track, I mean, it's uh, Utah's Utah's doing what uh, what most P five teams need to do. Um, to start the season, right, is uh, they, they ended up right after Gainesville. They, they played SU, SUU, so Southern Utah. Then right after that, a, a down San Diego State team. So I, I think if Utah could have things back, they probably would have maybe made Florida like all of the second or third game of the season as opposed to the first. But, um, <laughs> yeah, you know, within all that, you know, you mentioned back on track. And it's still, you know, I, I – I was I was talking with with Hogue the other day, um, you know, for uh, for the Arizona State rival site, and uh, and you know the big thing was is you know that it kept coming up about Utah. Is it's still TBD to me, you know. Uh, they're they're doing the things that they're supposed to do against inferior competition, and you need to see those things be sustained against P five competition because. They, you know, there was just a lot of jaw-dropping things against Florida that, you know, exposed some weaknesses. But at the same time, too, um, you know, I I wouldn't be wrong to say Utah beat themselves in that game as well. Yeah, we we don't know much about uh, 
playing against uh, uh, little uh, uh, opponents that aren't too good and, and winning those games that we're supposed to win uh, after last week. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, Utah might have done what they're supposed to do, but Arizona State is coming off one of those losses that you kind of scratch your head at. Uh, Jake, you got something over there? I was like, damn, we're just bashing the devils like that. But uh, I, I guess it is rightfully so. I mean, it is it is a home game, and you're playing a team that's you know you were favored to beat by what three or more touchdowns. So and you lost, never led. So I you know I can't uh, can't bash you there. Um, but I, Alex, my name is Jake Anderson. I'm uh, the beat reporter. I'm out there at practice and whatnot. Um, I kind of wanted to get the the vibe that Utah has coming into this game. From uh, from like a mental standpoint, I mean, obviously, you know, jokes aside, this is not an ASU team that's playing its best football by any means. Um, is it is it a game that potentially you could see as maybe a trap game for Utah, or is this kind of one of those where they're going to come in and, and take care of business? Yes and no. Okay, and so here's here's where that here's where that comes mentally, psychologically. Kyle Whittingham will not let the Utes look past these guys. Arizona State, you know, yeah, they lost a lot of guys to the transfer portal this last year, and and a lot of recruits ended up decommitting and going elsewhere. But at the same time, too, like, there's still talent on that team, right? Uh, Now, where it could be a trap game is one of Utah's big things is they've started off slow this year. it's and especially when it comes to offense, which it's kind of mind-boggling, right? Because they got a lot of the they've pretty much got their whole offense back from from last year. Uh, they've got more talent, but for some reason, they just take a little bit longer to get to get going. Now, when they get going, um, they're they're a freight train and they pile on the points and they pile them up and they pile them up fast. Uh, Alex Markham of Ute Nation, the rival site covering uh, Utah, joining us on State of the Sun Devils. Um, Alex, just from a just you know, kind of to fill in the ASU fans, uh, you know, what should they expect out of this Utah team just in general? Uh, you know, top ten total defense in the country. Uh, you know, top thirty in total offense. Is this the same kind of Utah team? Stout defense. Uh, you know, solid offense that we've come to to expect in the past, you know, three, four years? Uh, you know what? I mean, here, here's the thing, Kay. So let, let's, uh, let's take a look at it from the mindset of uh, everybody's obviously excited because the NCAA college football game is coming back, right? So <laughs> if, you, if you go dynasty mode, right, and you do, if you pit this team right now against the team last year, um, I think the team last year would beat this team and beat this team pretty easily. Um, you know, so when it, when it comes down to that, if that even makes any sense, right. But, uh, they, they just, they, they haven't caught their stride yet. When you mention those numbers, those numbers do absolutely nothing for me because Southern Utah was so putrid and so bad. Utah hung 73 points on them, you know, gave up one touchdown and then that one touchdown was a nice play by Southern Utah, you know, so props to them. But, you know, when it comes to San Diego state, um, you know, they, they went through three quarterbacks in that game. There was no stability for that from the Aztec standpoint. The Aztecs are not the same team um, that was so highly regarded a year ago. You know, the, the team that also beat Utah before Utah ended up going on their big run. Um, so, yeah, I just, um, again, like, like I mentioned, there is so much of TBD when it comes to this team, but... 
again, the offense has returned so many guys. The defense has returned the large majority of it. Secondary is definitely the, the strength to the defense. Um, you know, with uh, they're, they're led by Clark Phillips and Cole Bishop. Um, Phillips got dinged up last week. They do expect him to play this week, um, but you know we'll we'll see when it comes game time. Um, but Utah's secondary is definitely the strength of this team, and they're extremely difficult to pass on. Yeah, uh, let's talk about Cam Rising real quick. Obviously, almost three thousand yards total last season, and almost twenty five hundred yards passing. Uh, already eight touchdowns this season, uh, and almost seven hundred yards passing. But hasn't run the ball as much as maybe. Ute fans would like to see the next two games after the Florida game. Uh, what have you seen from him coming uh, into this game against ASU? You know, Cam is a great runner, but at the same time, too, like um, less is more for him on that because they need to keep him healthy. Um, so I'm sure that that's partially playing into that, even though when plays break down, he's, he's pretty lethal. Uh, you know, he... And and I've been a very very vocal um, Cam Rising supporter, even even when uh, even when he was beat out by Charlie Brewer at the start of the year last year. I, you know, I went out publicly saying I felt that that was the wrong decision, and it, it kind of showed through. But um, you know, he's playing solid this year. If he can just get rid of the early game slow starts. Um, that's going to take his game to the next level. Additionally, he's kind of had a tendency to, and and when I say this, this was the same thing as last year, right? But Utah's tight ends are so good that it's easy to just kind of get comfortable and go to them. Um, you know, especially because Utah's receivers aren't able to create that separation, get in, and get open as much as a quarterback or an offense coordinator would prefer, right? So. Um, Last game, when that started going down, he started hitting some of those more explosive plays. Um, he, he really started, you know, kind of like hitting that psychological point of like, oh, okay, I can trust these guys now. I can throw that 50-50 ball. I can throw it in the window where only they're going to get it, and most likely they're going to get it, right? Uh, so those are those are just key things for him who taking his game to the next level. Alex, and then from a Utah defensively, ASU offensively standpoint, you just said that the corners are probably the best part of um, Utah's defense. So I, I'm wondering, I mean, does that give, you know, uh, you know, Devils fans that are listening to this, does that give them hope in that ASU's best part of their offense this year has been running the football? Yeah, you know, and, and if, uh, if ASU can take advantage of hitting the edges, um, even as opposed to, you know, running the ball up the middle, if they can, if they can hit the edges, um, there's an increased likelihood for some some bigger plays uh, when when it comes to the run game. Uh, you know, Utah's got some talent uh, on on the edges. The problem is is they're they're just they're just young, right? If the Sun Devils can effectively attack the edges of Utah's defense, um, you know, there there's there's going to be some plays there. Well, Alex, thank you so much for joining us. We hope to see you on Saturday at uh, Sun Devil Stadium, and uh, safe travels for you. My pleasure, guys. Thank you. All right. Thanks again to Alex Markham, publisher of Ute Nation, the rival site for Utah. Over in, uh, where where are they? Salt Lake City? Is that yep. uh, Around Salt Lake yeah, City. It's the area. Way to know, way to know that. I area. mean, there's they're, BYU's. All, they're you know, in Salt Lake, yeah. Uh, 
Okay, cool. Um, there's a lot of schools around there. You know, Southern Utah, BYU, and Utah State. Utah State, and yeah, they're, they're having a year. Provo and all that stuff. <laughs> they're having a year in Utah State. Um, but yeah, so BYU beat Baylor. Yeah, in like 900 OTs, and they got absolutely demolished by Oregon because. Uh, but but I thought the Pac-12 just needed BYU to come in and, and save them. Jesse's not a big BYU fan. Um, <laughs> it's just their their 2020 season bothered me because oh, because you don't like Zach Wilson. No, it's not no, it's not because of Zach Wilson. It's just because their fans got on this high horse about how good they are. And yeah, they anybody, like, anytime, they anywhere. Nobody. They, yeah, anybody, anytime, anywhere. And then uh, one of the Washington schools, either Washington or Washington State, said, "Hey, we'll play you." How do I and mute they your said microphone? No. They I, said no. How do I mute your microphone? I'm sorry. I'm sorry. They said yeah, we no. Gotta, we got to get him on the other side of the board. <laughs> Uh, so we're talking about Arizona State playing against Utah this week, Jesse. Um, Jake, I just want to get your prediction on what you want to see. We haven't really talked about the defense here uh, in this episode. We talked a little bit about the offense. Uh, what do you expect from this defense coming off a poor week, uh, especially rushing defense for Arizona State? Arizona State defensively, I, I just wrote an article about this today for ArizonaSports.com. They're going to have their hands full. I, I mean, there's... You did? I did. Oh, no. Yeah. I might read it, maybe. No, you won't. I'll read it for you right now. <laughs> they're they're going to have their hands full. I mean, you have, A, you have Cam Rising, but you also have a running back in uh, Tavian Thomas, and then you have like your tight end slash wide receiver in Brant Kuth, I believe is how you pronounce it. K-U-I-T. Kiki. All right. So their, their tight end is is used in a multiple of ways. He's got a touchdown in each game, and he leads the team in receptions. They're running back. Here's my biggest thing. With with Cam Rising not having to run the last two games and them demolishing the teams they're playing, I mean, we heard Alex say they got to a slow start, and that's kind of what happened against San Diego State. I mean, we've seen what ASU has done in the first quarter of every game. They're not scoring. And if this defense is going to come out and... We heard Donnie Henderson earlier this week on Monday talking about how they just saw what Eastern Michigan did to them on film. Until ASU proves it can stop the run, there's no reason why Utah should try to pass the ball. Yeah, but you also have, like you said, the weapon in Keithy, who's got 191 yards and three touchdowns on the season. When you get into the red zone, it's going to be hard not to be able to target Or when you start stacking the box because you can't stop the run, there's going to be no stopping a play action. And then Cam Rising, they've... They've uh, compared him to Spencer Sanders with Oklahoma State, and we saw what the pass rush or almost lack thereof to keep him contained in the pocket. Who, like, who knows what's going to happen with that? Like, are they going to just try to get after Cam Rising? Is Cam Rising going to be able to extend plays with his legs? We've seen what he can do, but it's just more of a question of can ASU do it? Omar Norman Lott is a game time decision, and that's going to be a big blow if he can't go again after we saw him leave in the first half against Eastern Michigan. Yeah. The linebackers are usually or should be a strength of this team with Merlin and, and Soli out there at, at playing linebacker, but uh, we didn't see much from them last week. Um, and you know, I, I look for them to step up in the running game as well and help out that defensive line a little bit, Jesse. Yeah, I mean, the linebackers on ASU's team it isn't the deepest unit, but you know, with Kyle Soli out there and Merlin Robertson, you got two of the better linebackers in the Pac-12, in my opinion. And so, yeah, I mean, they have to step up. It's not, it's not, you know, do I expect them to step up? They have to step up, uh, you know, like they, they've, if not, they're just going to be torching. I know that Tavion Thomas, as Alex alluded to, isn't 
having the best season ever as uh, you know a running back for Utah, but he's he's still averaging four point four yards per he's carry. Got he's, four touchdowns. Yeah, he's got yeah. four touchdowns. So I mean, he could. We saw the the running back for Eastern Michigan go off and he hadn't even had uh 100 yards rushing 100 yard ru- 100 rushing yards game. rushing going into the game so yeah, yeah i mean they 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 have to step up i don't know if they will i, I you know i'm not i i'm not a i can't predict the future but they have to i know it's the non-conference schedule and both Alabama and Utah have played good opponents in that non-conference schedule at least one good opponent on the road um but Utah and Alabama are tied right now for their offense. They're tied at number 27 in the country. <laughs> like, this team's putting up four, over 480 yards of offense a game. And they have but it also their, comes with They have the, red in their colors. And are we seeing the West Coast version <laughs> of Alabama this weekend? It, will I be treated to that? <laughs> you have to look at the outlier against Southern Utah, though, with the 73 points, Jake. Like, I also really don't We're, even we're not like talking Alabama. about points. We're talking about yards. Yeah, I mean, like, that, but that's an outlier. And, like, you have to. Yeah, but who does Alabama play week one? Right? Like, yeah. who do they play week three? Mm-hmm. They didn't play Texas. <laughs> you know? Yeah. So uh, that's why I'm saying it's kind of a comparable. Um, comparison. And the last thing I'll say, going back to what Jesse was saying about Kyle Soley being one of the best uh, linebackers in the pack, you could argue he's one of the best, at least collegiate, linebackers in the country. I mean, he's averaging 13 tackles a game, and there's only one player in the entire country that averages more than him. Yeah, He's literally the number two average tackler. So Kyle Soley's the rock of that defense along with Merlin, so hopefully they can they can get something going this week against Utah. Yeah, hope they step up. Um, let's go and do predictions real quick, and we'll get out of here. Jesse, real quick, what's your prediction on this game? <laughs> uh, you know, I don't like saying this, but 45-7 to 7 Utah. 45-7? to 7. Yeah. Whew. Mine, not, not much better. 38-21 Utah. 21? Oh, wow, 21 points. They're going to be throwing it a lot. Yeah. Um, you're gonna be down. You're gonna you're gonna have to. I unfortunately I'm closer to Jesse's score. I got 56-14 Utah winning this one. Um, I, I mean, if the run defense steps up for ASU, it could be closer. And Utah's not gonna score 56 points if that run defense steps up and Merlin and Soli play a little bit better in that space. But um, hopefully we're wrong about this, guys. Hopefully we're back next week and talking about a victory. Rather Field storming than a, if that happens. Yeah, rather than a, than a blowout defeat. Aguano did say on Burns and Gamble today, the next three games, which are against Utah, USC, and Washington, all top 20 opponents, he said, when we win those games. And if oh, they wow. do... We're, we're in, in the next three weeks, if they do, we'll be back talking about a ranked ASU team. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> right now, they are 15 and a half point underdogs, according to FanDuel Sportsbook. That's going to do it for this edition of State of the Sun Devils. For Jesse Morrison and Jake Anderson, I'm Jeremy Schnell. We'll talk to you on Saturday. Ciao.